Today we're going we're gonna to talk about um, the Garden of Gethsemane a little bit. And I want to, um, we're calling this Hope is Alive. I want to make sure that our hope is in the right, in the right place this morning. And we're going to look at the Garden of Gethsemane to start that, to start that thought process. So we're going to turn to Mark. This story is in all the Gospels. It's pivotal for us, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this out in a little bit. It's pivotal for us when we read the Bible to not, um, to not just look at a verse of the day or something like that. You, you're going you, to inevitably miss a whole bunch of stuff. You're not going to get a clear picture. So if you, during Easter, decide to start reading about the Easter story, um, the Jesus the, the Passion Week and all that stuff. I would encourage you to read it in all of the accounts, in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because then you'll get a, a big picture because you're getting four different viewpoints of the same occurrence. And it's very important that if you're going um, to make a case for something, that, that we go off of multiple eyewitnesses. Amen? We go off of multiple accounts. And so we're going to do that a little bit this morning because... Um, because there's some details in there that I think are pivotal. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 14. I think we're going to read verse 26 through maybe 42, something like that. So why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to, uh, we'd like to honor God's word here by standing. And um, you'll have, you have plenty of time to sit. I never preach more than two hours, so you'll get tired of sitting here in a little bit. Mark chapter 14, verse 26, you can see it on the screen or the phone app or in your paper Bible. Say amen if you're ready to go. Amen. That was pretty encouraging. Mark chapter 14, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though all, even though they all fall away, I will not. Hmm. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Going a little further, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. For you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to, what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping? taking your rest. It is enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. 
See, my betrayer is at hand. Father, we thank you today for your word to us. Lord, you've told us to have hope that we are not people who walk through this life with no hope. Of all people, we have the hope of a resurrected Savior. Lord, I pray that today you teach us what to place our hope in, whom to place our hope in. But it's not in things, it's not in circumstances, but it's in you. Make that clear to us today, Lord. Renew our minds. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. This is, uh, Jesus had just finished up the Passover meal. And one of the things that I want to make sure you understand is that a lot of what was happening around this, this night wasn't out of the ordinary. If you were, uh, if you were a good Jewish person, you would have celebrated Passover your whole life. Jesus is around 33 years old right now. And so we know his family celebrated the Passover. The Passover is the biggest, biggest holiday on the Jewish calendar. It was, it, it went all the way back to, um, the Exodus of God miraculously leading the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity. And he did it in a miraculous way. And this Passover is a, is actually a celebration of him leading them out. And in the Passover, the reason it's called Passover is because God had given the Israelites specific instructions about putting blood over their doorposts, the blood of a lamb over their doorposts. And when the death angel, the plague of the death angel was coming that night, that he would skip over the houses that had the blood over the doorposts. He would pass over them and they wouldn't be subject to that wrath. And so that's what happened. And it was so traumatic to the nation, uh, to the Egyptian nation and to Pharaoh that he basically just kicked them all out. Now, just because you've been kicked out doesn't mean you won't get chased. So he kicks them out. Then he chases them down into the Red Sea. And then God does another miraculous thing, parting the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea. And, and God just keeps delivering, 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 delivering. But this is where the Passover comes from. And so from then on, God's God's instructions to them was to celebrate this. This was to be a huge holiday and it was followed up by a feast. And, and, and so it was a big deal. Jesus at 12 years old is his parents lose him because they're celebrating the Passover. He's in the temple and they're like, well, where did he go? They end up leaving, having to turn around and come back and they find him teaching. And they're like, didn't your mother tell you to get on the bus? So this would have been an ordinary occurrence. Now, I do need to tell you that Jesus, if you go back and read what he says at the Passover meal, there's some, he's saying some different, he's not saying traditional Passover things. He's talking about dying, talking about Judas betraying him. There are some odd things that he's saying, but you have to remember the disciples, the disciples have been around him for a couple of years now. They're used to hearing him saying odd things. Jesus sitting down to a traditional meal and saying odd things is not new to them. This has become pretty familiar. The woman, when he, when he visits the woman at the well, they come back with food and they say, Hey, do you want something to eat? He says, no, I have food you know not of. And he's like, well, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Would you bring a granola bar with you? Where did you get it? 
So they're used to him saying and doing odd things that don't make sense to them. And so now they're sitting at the Passover meal, eating it with Jesus. And he starts talking about death and he starts talking about this stuff. And I can imagine they're just going, hey man, he's doing it again. It's familiar. But familiar can breed some misplaced confidence in our lives. When we're super familiar with things, we can, we can tend to overlook a few things, can't we? Um, I, I happen to not, most days, not lack confidence. Is that true? She said, I have enough confidence for both of us. <laughs> uh, but I will say that in a lot of seasons in my life, I've had misplaced confidence. Because I just became familiar with the circumstances. I just became like, oh, this is old hat. I know what I'm doing. Anybody remember being 25? Maybe if you're 25 in here, listen up. I remember being 25. And I, like, I knew everything that needed to be known. And I just was like, hey, I got this thing. Get out of the way. Why are you, why are you holding me back? Get out. Like, I can do this all by myself. Peter and the disciples have this strange confidence all of a sudden. Not, not all of a sudden. If we go back, we find out that even before this meal, that he was displaying this kind of confidence. I think John records that, that Jesus, in a, in a meal before this, decided he was going to wash the disciples' feet. And he starts to wash their feet. And Peter goes, you ain't washing my feet. I know how this works. I know, I'm confident. I don't, you're not washing my feet. This is weird. By the way, it's weird, especially in our culture now. Back then, it wasn't so weird to have a foot washing, but it was going to be really weird to have Jesus do it. So Peter displays this, man, I don't, you're not, you, you are not touching my feet and washing them. And Jesus says, hey, listen, if you don't let me wash your feet, then this is a, this is a deal breaker. And so we see this confidence in Peter Jesus looks at him after dinner. Picture this. They have dinner, wraps it up. Jesus makes a couple very, if you read all the gospels, he, he's saying, hey, this guy's going to betray me. And then, and then I'm going to be, I mean, it's, it's a pretty tense conversation. Then they decide to go out to the, to the Mount of Olives, which was common. They would have, they did that all the time. They'd go down to the base of the Mount of Olives and, and there's a place in there called the Garden of Gethsemane, which is not a garden. They weren't planting corn and green beans in it. It was, it was a, like an olive grove. And there were some places for, that they had presses in that area to press out the olive oil. And so this was a place they would have went down to frequently. It was a hangout for them. It was where they could go and think and talk. And outside the hustle and bustle of the city. So Jerusalem would have been packed at this time. So Jesus says, hey, let's, let's go down to the Mount of Olives. They're like, yeah, let's go do that. They get, they're, they're, get, they're get into the Mount of Olives area. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, man, you know, be careful. Because uh, you're going to deny me tonight. Peter says, there's no chance. There's no ch- what are you talking about? We're at a regular, we're at a, we're at a Passover 
I don't, what are you talking about this for? We're at a Passover. And, and, we're, and we're down here hanging out at, at our usually hangout spot. Well, I mean, I don't understand. What are you making a big deal about this for? And Jesus says, I'm telling you, Peter, be careful. And he says, that'll never happen. Matter of fact, there's this really, Mark records this really odd little thing that happens that Peter goes, yeah, all these, these 10 dudes might forget you, but not me. I imagine that was pretty awkward if James and John and all them were standing right next to him. Now at this point in time, Judas is not with them. So there's 11 guys in Jesus and, and Peter's going, Hey, these weak ones over here might deny you, but not me. I'll, I'll go to the death tonight. If that's what it requires. Do you hear the confidence? Do you hear the confidence is a regular Passover? We're out hanging out in the regular spot. And all of a sudden, because of the familiarity of the scene to Peter and the familiarity with Jesus, all of a sudden he's saying something that actually will be the exact opposite of what will end up happening. Jesus will be 100% correct as he always was. And that misplaced confidence that Peter had, it ends up once he says, I'll go to the death for you tonight, if that's what it takes. It says all the other ones went, yeah, us too. Us too. Man, I've had those seasons in my life where I was so confident in what I was capable of. Anybody have that season in your life where you were super confident only to realize that you ended up not having what it took? Man, isn't that humbling? Like you had it all worked out. It was in your wheelhouse. You had the whole deal figured out. It was just going to happen. And man, I'm familiar with the whole thing. I know what to do. And then boom, you realize, hmm, I, I might have I been a little overconfident in that thing. Jesus tells Peter, hey, listen, I'm not playing around. I need, I need you to pay attention, Peter. And he gets very specific with him. He says, before the cock crows twice tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, how can that even happen? How can that even happen? So Mark's account of this is they walk, they're in the, they're in the kind of lower part of the Mount of Olives and they walk into this area called the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus says, hey, can you guys stay here and keep watch with me? Can, can you pray with me? Can you stay awake? Can you pray with me? They had to be able to tell that he was upset about something. It said he, he was sorrowful, that he was, that he was not his typical self, that, that there was something different about this night that it doesn't seem like the disciples are picking up on. So he asked them, hey, could you stay and pray with me? Could you stay up and pray with me? And, and then it says, there's another gospel account that says that Peter, James, and John go in a little deeper with him. And that, then he, go, he asked them specifically, hey, I need you to stay awake. He tells Peter specifically, I need you to stay and pray. Because Peter, you're gonna, the temptation is coming and the spirit is willing. I, I get your confidence. The spirit's willing. But the flesh is the problem, Peter. I know, I know you just told me you'd go all the way to the end with me. But I need this to be, I need you to stay awake right now and pray for strength because your flesh is not totally in line with your thoughts. Then the Bible says that he goes about a stone's throw away, which... Um, 
in, in biblical terms, a stone's throw away isn't as far as you could throw a little pebble, but a stone's throw. So maybe let's say 10, 15 yards. There, Jesus is within eyesight of the disciples, of Peter, James, and John. He's within eyesight of them. They, they can see him. And the Bible says that he falls down on his face in prayer. Now, something we need to establish first is that a typical prayer posture for a man, a Jewish man, would have been to stand up with his hands lifted towards heaven and pray out loud. To stand up and pray like this, which I'm totally cool with. Yeah, because my personality is to pray and move. Any, anybody else? Anybody, I'm going to be transparent with you on a couple things in my life right now. I'm not going to confess to any big sin because that's weird in front of, in front of all of you. Uh, but I am going to confess to, I, I, um, I don't do the prayer on my face very often. My personality is, um, is I I'm praying and moving at the same time. That's the way my brain is wired. That's the way, that's my default. There's things to be done. Look, I can, I can pray and work at the same time. I can pray and I can do this. Anybody else wired like that? You're just like, yeah. So if you come to my house, if, you, if I invite you over to my house, we have dinner. We, we, we're not going to pray for Jesus' return over the food. We're not going to pray for everybody to be healed over the food. The food's getting cold. So if you come to my house and eat dinner and I say, hey, would you bless the food? Just bless the food. That's all I ask you to do. Like we don't have to bring up grandma. We don't have to bring up your aunt. We don't have to bring up, we don't have to bring up anybody else. The food is on the table. The steam is starting to disappear. And you can't make up for lack of prayer before my meal. So thank you, Lord, that we're together. Thank you for the people that made this fine meal and bless it. Amen. Now, some of my travels, I might in there, don't let this make me sick. Amen. So that's, that's the way I work. That's the way I work. And at times, that's gotten me in trouble. Times got me in trouble because I can, I can be confident and I can be like, oh, man, we got this. We don't, need to, we don't need to be laying down and praying. We need to be getting up doing something. What are you, Lazy. Come on, man. We can pray and work at the same time. Come on. We can, we can keep moving. We can, we can do. And, and, and my wife has heard me 26 years now, heard me say stuff like this, man. I can, I could just, I can break that. I can mess it up and fix it before they could ever make a decision to do anything. That's the, my mindset. It always has been. We can't break it that bad. Let's just do it. All right. Now, can I swing to the, the pendulum to the other side for a second? Can I swing it to the other side? Some of you never get off your face. And this is important. There's some personalities that are exact opposite of me where everything, everything is a, oh Lord. Now it's probably people in third service. It's not people in here because you guys are. <laughs> Look, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I was driving to work today and I had a flat tire. I couldn't work. I had to pray. I had to pray. I had a flat tire. The devil is attacking my family. 
I had to call in. I had to call in to work. I said, I can't come. I got to pray. I got to spend the day in prayer. It's a flat tire. You know what could have happened? Now, I'm going to be a little transparent with you. I have no patience for people like that. Because <laughs> I'm like, you drive a car with tires that you put air in. Now, I'm not trying to be too logical, but just follow me. If you drive that car long enough with air in the tires, there's a high probability the air will come out of those tires at one point in time. And the devil didn't have to do anything to make it happen. And you probably in 2022 have insurance that if you would get your insurance card out, would have a number on it that says, in case of a flat tire, call this number and somebody will just pop out and change it for you. It doesn't require prayer. I just improved somebody's life here this morning. <laughs> and so we get these opposite ends of the spectrum. Me, I'm like, we're not praying about anything. We're just going to keep moving. And then when the whole thing crashes, we'll say, God, is there another way to do this? And then some of you are like, oh, about everything. Jesus is teaching us how to do both. Because Jesus did not lay on his face all the time, but when he needed to, he did. Church, we have to get this balance right. We can't be, we can't be so, that we, that we never have an impact on the world. Jesus didn't walk up to a man with leprosy and go, Hey man, I'm going to have to spend four or five days in prayer for this thing. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be touching you right now. He, he would do what he needed to do in the moment. But when the moment required him to pray, he could lay on his face and pray. And the important part for the believer is to figure out when you should do one or the other. And the problem is we get mixed up with it. And the problem with a person like me is I very rarely think it's time to lay on my face. I'm just like, oh, we'll just go for it. We'll just go for it. Figure out what, we'll just see what happens. But Jesus gave a very important distinction when he said, Peter, temptation is coming and your flesh isn't strong enough. Temptation's coming and your flesh isn't strong enough. He said, please stay up with me. Stay up with me. Peter, just stay up with me. Not just for me, for you, Peter. Stay up with me. Stay up with me. Your, your spirit, I, I, I know your confidence. I know your willingness. I, I, know, I know you think you got this all figured out how it's going to work out, but I'm begging you, Peter, stay up with me. Mark says he comes back three times. Stay up with me. Stay up with me. Stay up with me. Stay up with me. And I know, look, he was tired. Whatever. Something, something that I've, I've been thinking about lately is uh, I got an f- app on my phone that tracks my sleep. Uh, anybody else have something like that where you got a watch or you got someone on your phone that tracks your sleep? 
Come on, don't leave me hanging up here. He's the only weirdo that does this. Okay. So it's kind of connected to a bed or, that we have. And, and here's what I realized. This thing on my phone has caused me more anxiety than it was ever worth. Because what will happen is I'll wake up from sleep now. I'll wake up in the morning. Let's say 5.30, quarter, 6, something like that. I'll wake up in the morning. And I'm not, I don't pray first thing. I get my phone out and be like, oh, I didn't sleep well. Jeez. And I feel like I slept well, but man, it says I didn't sleep well. It says I slept. It says I didn't. I, my sleep score is all low. It's like 68. I don't know what to do. Now I'm going to have a terrible day because I didn't sleep well. I see, I don't start out with prayer. I start out with my sleep number. And I'm like, ah, Lord, now I need help. Because we've been taught for years and years and years that the most important thing you could do at night is sleep. And that every human being now needs seven to nine hours of sleep. That's where the, that's the optimal. And listen, and there's studies out there. Trust me, go look it up. If you've got a teenager in the house, if you're a teenager, if you're in the room here and you're a teenager, raise your hand. You need more sleep. I didn't know that. You need more sleep. So don't let your parents be like, hey, get up and just say, hey, I'm doing what God called me to do. <laughs> Sleeping. It's true. So what happens is this, we've been, we've been told that we need to do self-care now. Everybody familiar with that term? Self-care. And part of self-care is getting a good night's sleep to the point where we'll buy, we'll buy expensive gadgets to tell us whether we're taking care of ourselves. Self-care. I'm waking up in the morning and I'm going, I got a 68. Oh, this is going to be a horrible day. Or I'm waking up in the morning going, I got an 83. Going to crush it today crush it. World better look out, man. I got a full night's sleep. What Jesus teaches in the garden of Gethsemane is a full night's sleep will not prepare you for what might happen the next day. I would venture to say in a crowd this large, there's some of you facing things that it wouldn't matter if you slept for the next week, you're not going to be prepared. What Jesus teaches us is that there's some seasons in our life, not every season, but there's some seasons in our life. Some seasons you got to get out there and get it done. And other seasons, you better be willing to fall on your face and miss some sleep. The juxtaposition from Jesus and the disciples is an amazing one because the disciples being extremely confident fell asleep. Now, you'll hear a thousand sermons preached a thousand different ways about why they fell asleep and all this stuff. And I'm just saying Peter was immensely confident that what Jesus said could not happen. He was just confident. And when I'm extremely confident, I go to bed. I just go to bed because I'm like, hey, I got this. Jesus just said I was going to deny him. No chance. No chance. I've been here before. I know what the deal is. We've been walking around with him for three years. I've seen him up and down. I've seen healing. I've seen all this stuff. There is no chance. I've cast out devils myself. Remember he sent the 12 out, sent the 72 out. Peter's like, I know the whole way this thing goes. There's no chance I deny you. And so a massive amount of confidence causes him to go to sleep along with the other disciples. We got this. What could possibly happen tonight in the Garden of Gethsemane that hasn't happened in the last three years? What could possibly go wrong? So we're just going to go to sleep. And Jesus is saying, in this circumstance, sleep is the last thing you need. So it says he prostrates himself on the ground. 
falls on the ground, sorrowful to the point of death. In the image you get is confident disciples sleeping with an eyesight of the Savior who is wrestling with the will of God. Hmm. Man, that's a picture for the church. That's a picture for the church this morning. Confident, misplaced confidence asleep with the Son of God wrestling with the will of the Father. And I have to tell you, I still don't know that the church has learned anything. I still think we sleep in times where we should be wrestling with the will of God. I still think there's times in my life where I sleep it away. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Remember I told you you need to read the whole account? Luke records it this way. Luke chapter 22 Verse 41, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. Luke says, knelt down. Others say, fall down. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Do you, do you read verse 43? Put 43 up there. The next verse. Verse 43 of Luke chapter 22 is the only account of this happening. None of the other gospel writers put this in there. But if it wasn't in there, we would miss a whole bunch of stuff. It says, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven. What are the, what's that next word? There are seasons in my life where my sleep number doesn't matter. It's my prayer number that matters. Because it doesn't matter if I get 32 hours of sleep in, the ro- in a row. I won't be strong enough at the end of it. And Luke records that when Jesus was praying and the disciples were sleeping, there was only one of them being strengthened. Only one. Luke records, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Church, I remember there's a season and there's been several seasons in my life where, um, where God in his infinite wisdom stripped all confidence out of me. Like I remember a guy calling me one day and, uh, and he said, man, you're, um, watching on stage, your life looks perfect. And I just started laughing at him. I said, you have no idea. I said, everything I touch right now is broke. My wife remembers me saying this. I said, everything, like if I put my hands on it, it breaks. Not just mechanical stuff, but like just every part of my life, it just seemed like, like if I was involved with it, it broke. Anybody ever been there? And I can remember during that season being in, in our bedroom and just laying on the floor. There wasn't none of this. God, you're going to be. I couldn't even sleep. Just laying there. Weeping, going, God. You have to do something. You have to. Can I tell you? Can I tell you something? 
When you stay up at night and weep through, through prayer, you are more like Jesus than if you got a good night's sleep. Because it's through times like that where the spirit will come to you and strengthen you. Where nine hours of sleep won't get you that strength. And the church has to figure out that there's seasons in our life where we have to pray to the point where we understand the will of God. We're not like the 25-year-old Chris just guessing at it going, I got enough strength in myself. I've figured I've been here before. I've done this before. I know enough to do it. But there's seasons in our life where we can't figure it out, where we got to go down before God. Not the traditional part of, not the traditional form, but to just lay on my face. I don't care who sees me. I don't have the answer anymore, Lord. I need to know. I need your strength. I need your power. And let the Spirit come to us. Stay there long enough to get strengthened. There's one thing you can't miss, though. When Jesus got up, man, there's this, there's this great moment here. Jesus goes back and forth three times. Peter, can't you stay awake? One of the gospel writers says he was so distressed that he was sweating like drops of blood. By the third time he comes back to Peter, this Jesus is wrecked. Can't you stay awake with me? Then he says this. It's almost like the switch flipped. Get up. They're here. It's, a, it's so abrupt. Like even, even the way Mark puts it, it's so abrupt. And I love it when the gospel writers do this. It gives you a window into like, boom, it's time. There wasn't, hey, let's get some snacks. Let's get ready. Pack a lunch. No, it's just, boom, it's time. And he came the third time, verse 41, said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Is it an, it is enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed in the hand of the sinners. Arise, let us be going. See my betrayer's hand. Boom. Okay, you better be ready. It's time. Get up. Now, what we find out here is there's a, there's an easy way to tell who was strengthened. <laughs> Because Jesus has been up praying, being strengthened through the Spirit of God, being strengthened for the task. Because this is the thing that the church needs to realize. Jesus prayed while the disciples are sleeping. And he said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. But yet not my will, but yours be done. Now watch this. He was prayed and strengthened. And when he stood up, the cross was still in front of him. I think where the church makes a mistake is we don't pray, Lord, your will be done. We pray, Lord, fix this right now so that when I stand up from here, the problem is alleviated. And the model that we get from Christ is not that he takes all your, the issues away, but that you've been strengthened in the middle of the night so that when you stand up, you're prepared for the issue. Amen. The problem was Jesus prayed through the night and was strengthened to go to the cross. The disciples slept and couldn't even keep from denying him. Oh, 
Now we want to know, why do we wrestle so hard with the flesh? Why is it so hard to put off sin? Why is it so hard for these circumstances I'm in? Why does it always devastate me so much? Because we never take the time to be strengthened. You're like me. You're always walking around praying these short little prayers. Lord, like, fix this, fix this, Lord, fix this, Lord. Take them out of my life. Get them away from me. Just fix it, Lord, fix it, Lord, fix it, Lord. He's going, Chris, when are you going to realize I'm not fixing all that? I'm trying to strengthen you. There was nothing about the trajectory of Christ's life that changed. Only his strength. He was going to the cross. Now he was strengthened enough to go all the way. The disciples, all they had to do was not deny him. But because they slept, they didn't even have enough strength to do that. Church, I'm telling you, there are seasons in your life where you are going to have to walk through it. There's no other way around it. Even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, it wasn't if I walked through it. It wasn't maybe I walked through it. It was like even I know I'm going to walk through it. Even when I walk through it, if you will commit to, Lord, I'll give up some sleep. I'm going to stay on my face long enough to figure out your will and to let you strengthen me enough to walk in it. And here's the evidence that it's happened. Watch. When the disciples get up, the whole scene feels frantic. You ever had somebody bust in your room in the middle of the night? Now listen, anybody grew up with parents that if you walked into their room in the middle of the night, especially on your dad's side, you could get slapped by somebody sleeping. Anybody? Any of you like jumpy sleepers? (laughs) I love people that be asleep on the chair and you just touch them and they're like. (laughs) And when they realize that there's somebody, they're like, oh man, you know, that's cool. It's cool. No, you just jumped out of your skin because I just touched you on the shoulder. Jumpy sleepers. You know what I'm talking about? When I was growing up, if you walked in my, like I've been eight years old, walk in my parents' room because, you know, something happened, walk in my parents' room and I thought, oh, I'm not going over to dad's side. You get slapped in his sleep in dad's side because you go to touch him and be like, wow. Now, mom, you can be like, hey, you know what? I can imagine Peter and them. Jesus comes up and says, hey, it's time. It's time. It's time. Now, different, different scholars, like when Judas showed up, he didn't show up with four guys. They showed up with a crew carrying weapons and lanterns and torches, carrying stuff. Could you imagine walking into this area of, uh, of an olive grove and, and all of a sudden Jesus walking up to Peter, James and John and said, hey, get up, get up. It's time. It's time. It's time. And they stand up and they realize Jesus says he's here. The betrayer is here. Judas knew where they hung out. They went to where they always hung out. Judas shows up with a whole crew of dudes and they show up and Jesus says, Peter, James, come on, come on, John, stand up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It's time. And they stand up and you can feel the frantic. You can feel the like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't think this was going to happen. I didn't think, what are you talking about? Jesus, I didn't, man, what, what's happening? I didn't think like you talked about denying you, but I don't like, I didn't expect this. And now all that misplaced confidence is draining away in the light of a torch. 
in, in, the, in the image of a soldier. It's all draining away from Peter and those guys. They're all, they're like, oh, I didn't realize this was, a, you know, you, you didn't tell us this was going to happen. And guess who the calm one is? Calm down. Judas walks out. He says, whatever, what you're getting ready to do, do it quickly. I'm not going to run. He says, what'd you come out here? What'd you think? Thought I was going to fight you? You thought I was going to resist? Peter's so frantic. He pulls out. He's not even good with a sword. Pulls out and swings it at a guy and misses like, like awkwardly hits him on the side of the head and cuts his ear off. Jesus has to say, Peter, it's not the way we're going to do it. Man, calm down. Calm down. Listen, church. If you're waking up every morning frantic, taking it out on your kids, taking it out on your spouse, taking it out on the people at work, if you can't drive down the road without getting road rage, if you, if you, if, if you just keep waking up and I'm like, oh, man. It's evident who was strengthened that night. It's evident by their response to what was going on. Jesus was strengthened and was the only calm one in the garden. Jesus was strengthened and was going, it's going to be okay. Settle down. We don't have to overreact. This is the will of the Father. Keep calm. It's going to be all right, Peter. Hey, Peter, put the sword away. We don't have to fight. If you keep waking up frantic, it may mean that you should have been praying instead of sleeping. If the church keeps waking up going, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. If the church keeps waking up going, oh, the election. If the church keeps waking up going, oh, the pandemic, we don't know what to do. It may mean we slept through the prayer time. And we can't keep affording to do that because the church has to be strengthened at some point in time to be able to raise our heads up and go, I'm confident that no matter what the will of God is, I will walk in it and be strengthened by it and I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet. Listen, church, we can't have a misplaced confidence because we just showed up on a Sunday morning and everything went well. We've got to have a confidence that comes from, I was on my face before the Father, and I know the Spirit of God strengthened me in the middle of the night, and I know whatever comes my way now, He is with me. Not for a minute has He left me, and He's given me enough strength and power to endure whatever it is coming my way. And so I don't have to flip out on somebody running down the road. I don't have to flip out on my kids. I don't have to flip out on the neighbor because He has strengthened me. Amen? So if you keep dealing with the same stuff over and over and over again. Maybe you need to stop sleeping at night and start praying through the night because strength comes. Strength comes when we lay down in front of him every now and then and say, I don't have any more. I don't have any more strength on my own. I need yours. Can we pray that way this morning? Come on, raise your hands. I know you can't lay down in here. Just raise your hands. Say, God, I don't have enough strength. I need more time with you. I need you to strengthen me in the middle of the night.